hugging each other and then uh, wrestling. And because he's older and taller and bigger than me, like he always ends up with, um, we fight for a long time and it always ends up at the end where he sits on me and then I obviously lose because like you just can't do anything when my brother is sitting down on me. So um, yeah, with the physical stuff, also emotionally and mentally, uh, I think that's my arena where I'm a bit more nasty with my words. And so I know if I can't beat him physically, I'm definitely going to try and like hit him where it hurts, like with the words, right? So, um, so you can say our relationship wasn't that great, uh, but, and then this is the gift part here, right? So one time, um, it's like a very normal day. I think I was like towards end of primary school, early high school, very normal day. It was nighttime and I was about to get ready for bed. And so like you, as you would, you'd go brush your teeth. So I just walked out of my room and the bathroom at the time was right across from my room. Went into the bathroom and then I like, brushed my teeth and I was a very lazy person. So it's like quick brushing, right? So it's like only a few seconds, like at least 30 seconds, right? And then I walked back in to my room and then like I was surprised because I saw something and noticed something just sitting on top of my pillow. And I was wondering, whoa, what is this? And then and I walked a little bit closer. My room wasn't that big. So you could like tell very quickly, like, oh, it's a notebook. What is this, right? It's very cute no- notebook as well. When I saw it instantly, I know it was from Morning Glory. I don't know if you guys have it in Melbourne. Oh, good. You guys have it too. Cool. Yeah. Back in the day in Sydney, there was like a lot of stores, but now I don't know if the same in Melbourne, but a lot of them has closed down now. So in Sydney, I think there's only one, maybe max two left. But for me growing up, I used to love Morning Glory stuff. So sorry, for those who don't know, it's like a really cute store. They sell plushies and um, cute notebooks. Of, like it's sort of like those Japanese animated characters type of thing. Anyways, cute stuff. And so I saw it, I was like really happy. And I still remember like the character, it was like a panda type character. And the notebook, the cover was blue. It was really cute. It was like, it was a very small type of notebook. And then I opened it and then I, there was a message there, right? Written by my brother. And I don't remember everything in the message. It wasn't very long at all. But then there was one sentence that just stuck with me forever. What he wrote in the notebook was that he said, I saw this and I thought of you. And because of that, that actually was the beginning of our relationship changing. It took many years to get to where we are today. But, um, but it was just the beginning of how our relationship changed because my attitude towards him started to change. Because through this notebook, I knew that my brother cares about me. I saw this and thought of you. Thank you for joining us this Christmas morning. On this important occasion, I would like us to remember a special gift that was once given to us. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We celebrate Christmas because we worship a God who thought of us. By thinking of us, I mean that God loved us so much, He would give us His one and only Son. Why would He give His Son, well, why would He send His Son for us? Because Jesus died in our place so that we may have eternal life. Jesus experienced death so that we may have life. Let's backtrack a bit here. Now, many of us us are familiar with the passage, John 3, 16, yes? And the first part of the verse says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Now, 
a lot of us would know that sons are very important in many cultures. And actually, my mum was born into exactly this kind of culture where sons are very favoured. And I remembered um, that my mum told me the story of her birth. And uh, she was the first of five children. And her mother, and especially her grandmother, really wanted a grandson to be the first child. And my mother said when she first came into the world, her grandmother was there and when she looked at like, the baby and she saw that it's a girl, she was very, the grandmother was very disappointed and you could just, apparently you could just tell with her demeanor and everything, she didn't want to hold my mum. And so that's the kind of world my mum uh, grew up in. And when my mother had her first child, Thankfully, it was, a, it was a boy. Like for me, I understand why it was a huge relief to her when her firstborn child was a, was a son. In the Chinese culture back then, sons were generally favoured because they carried the family line and sons were expected to look after their ageing parents. So in that sense, sons are a source of hope, Yes. Now, when the Bible tells us that God gave his one and only son, it doesn't mean that God physically birthed a child. Jesus is part of the Trinity. He's equal to God, the Father and the Holy Spirit. But my focus today isn't to explain the Trinity and the theology of what it means, like the term God's son. But what we see through, what we see though, is that God gave his everything to us. Even though we're undeserving of him and his sacrifice for us, God came into the world as a vulnerable, weak baby with the one purpose to save us from our sins. God thought of us. When you think about it, it's not normal for God to think about us in such a loving way. There are no other stories of any God who would love us that much. Actually, not even love, but care about us or would take time to even listen to us. All other religions in this world are based on a concept of works. You must work to earn your salvation. The gods are always angry. You must offer sacrifices to appease them. But only Christianity, the word of God, shows us that we can't earn our salvation. We must receive it with faith and humility. And we can only do that because of God's love for us. Now, the second part of John 3, 16 tells us that whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, our definition of life may vary, right? Our views on life are also different. Some people right now are loving their lives. Some people may be hating it. Some people are trying to get by every day and hope for the best. But the life Jesus offers, though, is completely different to what the world teaches us. I want to use the story of Jesus' birth to help us see three aspects of God's gift of life to us. They are, but not limited to, firstly, a debt-free life, a glorious life, and a victorious life. Let's look at the first one, a debt-free life. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence that the very first passage of the New Testament is the genealogy of Jesus. So that's Matthew chapter 1. It's packed with lots of exciting theology. Not only does Matthew tell us that Jesus is clearly from the line of Abraham and King David, but he also subtly shows us that the promised Messiah came to bring us the ultimate jubilee. 
Don't believe me? Or you guys like a bit lost about what I'm trying to say? Let me tell you guys. So have a look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 17. Matthew uh, purposely lists out Jesus' genealogy in three groups of 14 generations. And so there's actually a bit more, but he purposely does three groups of 14 generations. And in verse 17, he sums it up, right? He says, 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. So if you do some quick math here, right? Three times 14 equals... 42, which is the same as six times seven. Now in the Bible, we know that seven is a very significant number. We know from Genesis chapter one that on the seventh day of creation, God rested, yes? God has set a pattern that every seven days, His people are meant to rest and refocus on God. So if you continue reading and you go to Leviticus, right, you'll see that God placed some interesting laws to bring justice and rest to all of His creation. Every seven years is a Sabbath year. And on the Sabbath year, the land is meant to get rest. You can't work the land or on the land during that year. The land has to get rest, yes? Also, on the Sabbath, the Sabbath year, all debts are cancelled. And so slaves have the right to be set free even if they haven't completely paid off all their debts. A slave can also choose to stay with their master if they wish to do so. Okay, so then a bonus is that after every 49th year, which is the seventh Sabbath year, on the 50th year, they have a year of Jubilee, which is an extension of the Sabbath year. Does that make sense? So when you get to the 49th year, it's like, yay, Sabbath year. And then the 50th year, you're like, whoa, bonus, Jubilee year. So another year of Sabbath year, like, whoa. Imagine that, no work for two straight years. Now, I'm sure some workaholics in the room is starting to feel a little bit antsy here, right? Matthew begins his recount of Jesus with a very exciting genealogy. And he alludes us to Jesus as the promised King and Messiah who will bring the ultimate jubilee to us. Are you guys with me? God's promise to Abraham was that he will bless all nations through Jesus. The blessing that we all desperately need is ultimate rest. The biblical concept of rest is very interesting and it will take another whole sermon to go through. For now, I really want to highlight that this ultimate rest isn't like sleeping beauty where you physically sleep for eternity. The ultimate rest that Jesus gives us is resting in the arms of God. Let me ask you guys, have you ever rested in the arms of someone you really love? You experience joy, right? And safety, and peace knowing that you're completely loved despite all your weaknesses and shortcomings. In God's arms, we experience the peace and love of God that is far greater than any human relationship. When we enter into the presence of God, which can only be done through Jesus, we know we are loved and accepted again. Our sins are forgiven we are covered by the blood of Christ, and so we don't need to experience the wrath of God. We can rest from the fear of judgment. We can rest from the fear of uncertainty, and we can rest from needing to prove ourselves worthy. Jesus makes us worthy again because He has bridged our relationship back to God. 
brothers and sisters, whether you believe it or not, the Bible tells us that all of us are accountable to our sins. One day when Jesus returns, we will need to stand in front of God and give Him an explanation. The only explanations that's appropriate is if we confess that we're a sinner, but we are completely saved by the grace of Jesus. Amen. The second aspect of life that God gives us through Jesus is a glorious life. Luke chapter 2 records an event where a man prophesied over baby Jesus. Let me read from verse 25 to you. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a lightful revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So Simeon takes one look at baby Jesus and he immediately realizes that he was in the presence of God. Not only that, Simeon proclaims Jesus' salvation and glory to Jews and Gentiles. And so this guy gets it. He knew that Israel was in shambles. Luke tells us that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Because of the exile and conquest of other nations, Israel was not unified as a nation. They've even lost their identity. Like many Jews, Simeon was waiting for the Messiah to restore what was lost. But what Jesus came to restore, and Simeon realizes this, Jesus came to restore, what he came to restore wasn't Israel's national identity on earth. Jesus came to restore our understanding of God's glory. And this glory is also extended to us. God came into this world as man and God. The glory of God walked in this world for 33 years. His death and resurrection made it possible for God, the Holy Spirit, to live in us believers, which means that God's glory is in every Christian. Can you see God's glory in his temple today. Christians are gathered together to worship Jesus, the one and only living God. We are so lucky to be in the presence of God and to share in his glory. There's nothing in this world that can compare to what we already have through Jesus. No gold or silver, no fast car or beach house, no illustrious career or lucrative salary can compare to the glory that we carry right now if we've already accepted Christ as our Lord and Saviour. There's something different about Christians. Has anyone ever said that to you? That you seem different, not like your face, right? Like, but different inside, right? I'm sure no one has said you're like different physically. But inside, something's different about you. I hope someone really has. Just like went up to you and be like, hey, I noticed like we've been friends for so long, but like, Becky, you're pretty weird. She is a bit weird in a really good way because she has Jesus in her life. We are meant to be different. We have the glory of God in our lives. And so we, all Christians, have a glorious life. 
Now, finally, thanks to Jesus coming into our world and dying on the cross for our sins, we can receive a victorious life. On the outset of Jesus' birth, he was already chased by death. King Herod had plotted to kill Jesus because he felt threatened that Jesus would take his place on the throne. Matthew chapter 2 tells us that Herod was disturbed when he heard that the Magi was searching for the one being born king of the Jews. Herod would resort to cheap tactics where he pretended to look for Jesus to worship him too. God sends an angel to tell Joseph to take Mary and Jesus and quickly escape to Egypt. They stayed there till Herod died. So you see, the truth about this world is that all of us, we are all dying. The Western world is obsessed with trying to avoid death as much as possible. We don't talk about death much, do we? And when we do, we would usually use euphemisms. We say things like, they passed away, or that they're at rest, or they were called back home. We also spend millions of dollars in anti-aging products and cosmetic surgery to stay youthful as long as possible. We're obsessed with being young and we hate old people. We like to hide them in nursing homes and secretly hope they pass away sooner so that we don't have to look after them. Now, of course, I'm exaggerating here because at least not everyone here are that obsessed. But can you see what I'm trying to bring out? How many of us actually look forward to the next life in a healthy way? Remember what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. He said, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For Paul, he loved Jesus so much, he couldn't wait to see him in heaven. But he also knew that he, had, he still had an important mission to do on this earth. And so whilst he's still living and breathing in this world, he will do his very best to live for Christ. And when the time comes for him to die, that would be a win for him because he knows he'll be with Jesus in heaven. Brothers and sisters, the victorious life God gives us isn't what we see on TV or what all the social media influences are flaunting. Those things don't last. They're like what Hosea chapter 13 verse 3 says. They're like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears, like chafe swirling from a threshing floor, like smoke escaping through a window. The victorious life that only Jesus can give us is a debt-free life and a glorious life that no one and nothing can steal or take us away from. King Herod can't kill us. Satan can't stand in between us and God. And no powers in this world can condemn us. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I hope the reason why you've chosen to join us for our Christmas service today is because you also believe that only through Jesus Christ, we are given the greatest gift on earth. God thought of us. God thought of you every single one of you. And that's why he chose to send his one and only son into the world to die for our sins. Thanks to Jesus, we are given a debt-free life, a glorious life, and a victorious life. We take time out on Christmas Day to come together to worship the King who's given us eternal life that we don't deserve. 
We can never earn this gift of salvation. And so let's stop trying to work our way to God. Let's ask Jesus to come into our lives and accept this grace he's given us. Jesus came into this world to die for our sins so that we may have eternal life. This is the love of Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you chose to give up your glory in heaven to come down into this world to become like us. Thank you, Lord, for taking on our sin when you are completely sinless. Thank you, Lord, that you would go through this uh, human life of experiencing hunger and thirst. You went through temptation and you came out victorious. You were rejected and humiliated. You were misunderstood as well. And you did all of this, not for a fun excursion, because it's not fun at all. You did this because you truly thought of us and you love us so much and you care for each and every one of us. Lord, I pray for all my brothers and sisters here today that they know this important truth. I pray that they know that there is a reason to live, that there is a reason and purpose in our lives too. Lord, this Christmas, we don't want it to be just gifts and eating a lot of food together. Although these things are great things. Lord, we want the first thing about Christmas is because of you. And we're so thankful, Lord, that you would do this for us. And Lord, as a response, all we can give is our hearts and our worship to you. And that is what we want to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.